Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, the world system says if you want to be successful, then push your way to the top. Find ways to take advantage of another. Don't definitely give of yourself. Use people. But God says, no, no, no. Real success comes from an upside-down life. One of the key problems that often we have as we roll through all of these things, why am I not involved in, in serving and giving these people and helping these people, is because, well, I think of myself most of the time. The philosophy of Christianity is the complete inverse of the world's philosophy. The world's method of getting ahead is to walk on other people. Many of us have experienced that. Jesus says that to get ahead, serve other people first. As believers in Christ, the challenge is to live in this world while doing life God's way and trusting Him for the result. Pastor Mark is teaching from Philippians and using the words of the Apostle Paul to remind us that our main purpose is to make God look good. As we do that, He will cause all of the other things in life to fall into their proper place. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 3 of his message, Gel and Flow Together, Everyone is Needed. Paul says, make my joy complete by learning to love one another, even if you have differences. Use your talents, your strengths. God needs every one of you. Use your gift, whatever that is, God will help you. Respect others and their gifting. You're not a one-man team. You're not a one-woman team. We're flowing together. In other words, love one another. Work together. Get into the lives of other people. Once you see this little video from one of our elders' wives, and I want you to picture how family works and how we love one another, we comfort one another, we come alongside each other, we say comfortable words to another, how we go out of our way to minister to other people, and then in turn we take that and do the other. You'll enjoy this video very much. Hi, my name is Gina, and Pastor Mark asked me to share with you guys about what happened to me last year. I'll start by saying I'm a registered nurse, and as a result of that, I tend to be pretty conscientious about my physicals and screenings that have to be done. One of the screenings that I've had done on a regular basis for the last 12 years is a mammogram. Well, this time when I had my mammogram, I was called back because they saw a suspicious area. Ultimately, after many tests, I ended up in my surgeon's office who recommended that we do a biopsy. The biopsy came back positive for breast cancer. This was a a shock for me and my husband. There is no family history of breast cancer in my family. Both of my parents are alive, 
and they have brothers and sisters that are alive, and I have four sisters of my own, so there is no um, history. But luckily they found it early, but I still was going to have to have a course of chemotherapy and radiation. Well, when I got this news, it took me a few days and my husband a few days to kind of just assimilate it all. And I remember distinctly one night being sound asleep and then being woken up with my heart racing and my mind going in just a thousand different directions. I was just gripped with fear. It was a fear that I had never experienced before. I got up and went into my study where I usually do my devotions and I'm so grateful that I had a habit when I do my devotions that if the Lord speaks something specific to me, I'll usually write it down on a three by five card and a lot of times I'll date it. Well, this particular night, I grabbed my stack of cards. The Lord just kind of nudged me to do that rather than my Bible and the card that I had pulled was written months earlier. So little did I know that that scripture was going to mean so much to me. And I'm just going to read it to you, and you'll understand why. It's Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4, and it says, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Now how specific is that? I'm gripped with fear. My heart is racing, and the Lord uses those very words to minister to me. And I just did what the scripture said. I just said to my fearful heart to be strong, and I just began to pray. And the amazing thing that happens as a believer that's just so wonderful is is that you can be gripped with fear one minute, and the next minute, because of God and our relationship with Him, He can take it away. And so I would say probably in less than five minutes, I went from being gripped with fear just to having peace and was able to go back to sleep. And that type of thing happened on and off. Whenever I would get afraid, the Lord showed me what to do. You go to his word, you let him speak to you, and he would just calm me down. The other thing that really stands out in my mind is I remember wondering how the people in our church would respond to us because my husband and I have been in this fellowship for for so many years, but we are accustomed to being those that minister to people, not receive from people. And honestly, I just wasn't sure how people would respond or what would happen. And I I was overwhelmed with love. I was overwhelmed with love that expressed itself through cards and emails and phone calls and meals. And we just felt loved. My husband and I both did. It just was... It was God's way of sticking his hand out and touching us, and he used this fellowship in particularly to do that. It, it was wonderful. It was overwhelming. We'll, we'll never forget that demonstration of God's love. And the last thing that meant so much to me is I just remember uh, through my walk with the Lord that nothing that we go through is ever just for ourselves. I wasn't sure how God was going to turn this thing around or what the outcome was going to be, but I, I do know that I wanted it to minister to other people. And I was especially concerned about those people that that may not know the Lord and not have the comfort of His Word or the fellowship of a church uh, to help them. And that's kind of how Women of Hope was born. Women of Hope is a support group that we have here at Calvary. We meet the first and third Mondays of every month. And uh, we it's a very simple format. We usually have a worship song that we listen to. And then I share a scripture 
that uh, we try to apply to our lives. And then the women fellowship and they share with one another. We pray for one another. Uh, my hope for the group is that we develop friendships outside of the group uh, to minister to one another. And it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, the ladies that are coming are, are very precious. They're developing relationships. Um, and it's open not just to the people in our fellowship, but it's specifically open to the people in our community. We have people coming from other churches. We have uh, some of my neighbors have started to come. So um, you're you're all welcome to come. And I hope that if you come, we can minister to you. And um, oh, by the way, did I tell you we always have cookies? <laughs> What did you get from that? Do you understand? If you're not in a loving family, I really don't know how people do life. You see, we're to comfort one another. Let me read you 2 Corinthians. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Gina is now turning around and giving comfort to believers and unbelievers because she received comfort in her time of need when the Holy Spirit came alongside her, supported her, and spoke kind words. You're going to be all right. You see, what God does Paul says we are to be doing. We are to turn around and do the same things for one another. Of course, we have lots of ministries like that. Grief share and one step for men and women. Divorce care, the hospital, nursing home, shut-in ministry, small groups, counseling ministry. All kinds of ways to do that very thing. I'm sure it challenges us. And you go, wow, that's great. What keeps us from sometimes doing that? What keeps me from flowing together and giving of myself when I know I should? What keeps me from doing it? Well, look at verse 3. Paul tells us, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Selfish ambition is simply the desire to make you, to make me one, doesn't matter what the cost. Conceit, of course, is pride. The New Living Translation says it like this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Here's the second of our three keys. Christ followers were to flow in humility. You see, the world system says if you want to be successful, then push your way to the top. Find ways to take advantage of another. Don't definitely give of yourself. Use people. But God says, no, no, no. Real success comes from an upside-down life. One of the key problems that often we have as we roll through all of these things, why am I not involved in, in serving and giving these people and helping these people, is because, well, I think of myself most of the time. I'm kind of just 
Sometimes I can be very proudful and, and think, well, I'm smarter, better, whatever, and all kinds of things. But that's really not what we should be doing. We should be doing exactly the opposite. Now, where does this selfishness, where does it, if I, if I go through breast cancer and then just kind of go and do my life and not get involved with anybody after that, not helping, not encouraging people that are fearful waking up at the same, where does that come from? Keep your finger right there quickly. And let's, let's go back to uh, James chapter 4, quickly, if you will. James chapter 4. Let me show you what that looks like in our life. Very simple. The Bible tells us why sometimes we can, we can be very selfish. What is causing, James chapter 4, verse 1, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So I want you to write this down because this is, this is part of all of us tonight. Selfishness is the root of most of our problems in this area. Selfishness. You see, I was wired, pre-wired with selfishness when I was born. That's my sin nature. It's to think of me way more than you in any way. I'm pre-wired by Satan to make me look good. And if I have to make me look good, and I can't do it any other way, I'll make you look bad so I look good. That's my nature. That's your nature. My nature is... Get me through the breast cancer, but I'm not going to deal with anybody after that. My time's too valuable now. I'm living. That's my nature. Now, stop and think what selfishness does in our world. Just stop for a moment. That's what Paul's talking about here. He basically says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Think of others better than yourself. In other words, get involved with their lives. What causes that? Think of selfishness. Adultery. Why is there adultery? Who's thinking of who? I'm only thinking about myself. Why is there sex before marriage? Why does the young man say to the girl, if you really love me, you'll prove it? Well, who's thinking of who? He's selfish. Let me ask you a question. Divorce? Division in a church? Strife? Robberies? Abortion? All of those are by selfishness. It's not hard for us to understand how that flows. You and I know it. It's just hard to deal with it because we want to fight it. We want to flow together. We don't want to be off in a corner just trying to be my thing and I don't want to be involved with you. We want to be serving. Let me show you how that works and you'll see how prevalent it is. I think it'll make sense. You've all kind of been there. Three couples are at a restaurant. All three of the men order the same 10-ounce strip steak. The meals come, you look down, and your 10-ounce steak is clearly much smaller than the other two. What do you do? Do you do nothing and just enjoy your small steak? Do you point out to the other guys, hey, look at what you got, and look at what I got. 
Do you not just point it out, but take your knife and cut a little bit of all, both of theirs, and put them on your plate? It doesn't have to be the steak. How about when the whole family gets together for Thanksgiving? Well, why did they get that piece? There's a piece of pie. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're pre-wired to be selfish. Just turn to your neighbor right now. Just tell him, I'm pre-wired to be selfish. Go ahead. Just, just admit it. You're not lying. You're telling the truth. So how do I overcome that? Verse 4 helps us a lot. Go back to Philippians. Look at verse 4. I have to find a way to overcome it. So Paul says this. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know what joy is. You've seen that so often. You don't need to write this down. But this is what joy means. Joy. Put God first, Jesus first. O, others second. And why yourself last. That, that's what it means. The New Living Translation says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, Paul is not saying we can't have some of our own personal interests, like hobbies and things. Certainly we do that. But Paul is saying, don't limit your life to just you and your interests. Don't be the one that's always coming up with excuses why not to pitch in and help. Life isn't about you. Life isn't about me. Life's about God. So what is Gina doing? She's turning around the love, the comfort, the encouragement she received, and she's pouring it back into others who are going through the same process. That's how all of this is supposed to work. You see, understand, when Paul wrote these verses, he was thinking about a guy named Barabbas. Barabbas was selfish on the cross for who? Only himself. But there was another wonderful illustration earlier, named similar. Remember who it was? Barnabas. Barnabas and Barabbas are so far different. Barnabas was known as the encourager. He didn't think about himself. He always is thinking about who? Others. He was called the son of encouragement. I want to stop tonight here and ask you a question. Would that fit you? Son, daughter of encouragement. That's what Paul's saying. He says, you got to flow together. you got to come along together. You have to be there, and you have to speak kind words. Now, one of the five C's, you remember? Celebrate. Celebrate. What are we supposed to be doing here in church? We're to be celebrating. And what do I mean by that? When we give... When we share, when we come alongside one another, when we give mercy, you know when joy comes to us? Then. See, joy comes from giving of ourselves and flowing together as a team. That's why we celebrate. Paul says, I want to hear that you have one purpose, you're one mind, you're flowing together, and that will make my joy full. Guys, we were made to serve one another and to serve God. When we're not doing that, when we're selfish, 
there's no real joy. Oh, you might have a lot of stuff, you might have lots of time, but there's no real joy. Satan confuses us. I heard a story once, I love it. Listen. A safari hunter came into a clearing and saw a huge male lion dead with a little pygmy sitting on the top of him. The hunter said, are you the hunter? Yes, replied the pygmy. How did you kill him? Asked the safari hunter. With my club, answered the pygmy. Wow, it must be a huge club, the hunter responded. Yeah, there are about 60 of us. (laughs) That's it! Do you get it? Even if you don't get it, laugh for me. Words of comfort, words of comfort. We want to be flowing together. We were not made to do this by ourselves. And I want to congratulate you. Because thousands of you get it. We're one-minded. We're light-minded. We have one purpose. You bless me. We're giving joy to God and to many people. Thanks for serving with humility. Thanks for coming alongside hurting people and saying encouraging words to them. Thanks for being in one accord. Very little division. Thanks for reminding ourselves that we're here for one purpose. And that's the last thing I want you to see tonight. We're here to make God look good. And how do we do that? We come alongside people. We support them. When we know people are hurting, we speak encouraging words into their ears. We read scripture to them. You can say to them, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. We're here as family. We're partners. We're not, after this service, I want you to think about this for a moment. And I want to be challenging to you. Is your main emphasis to get out of this building as quickly as you can to your car? Or is it, I'm very serious. Or is it maybe ought to hang and talk to somebody and see if somebody needs a word of encouragement. You see, the word of God is no good unless we obey the word of God. And my nature is selfish not to do what I just said. But I want to challenge you tonight. And I know some of you have to go and all the That's fine. But find a way to start hanging together more than you've ever done it before. Because Jesus said this, by your love for one another, they'll know that God is real. We cannot be like the world. Fairweather friends. We must be hanging together and gelling together. To do that, I have to have the Spirit of God because my nature is to say your stake is bigger than my stake. Today, we were reminded by Pastor Mark of the complete difference between how the world views and pursues success and how God expects us to view and pursue success. As Christ followers, it's important for us to find out how Jesus lived his life and what his motivations were 
and then embrace those and incorporate them into how we live our lives. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This concludes the message, Gel and Flow Together, Everyone is Needed. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue to develop the idea of Jesus as our perfect example. We'll learn that the path of godly servanthood brings joy and fulfillment the world can't imagine. We will be taught about the importance of beginning to think like Christ which means being like Christ. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.